What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. It's been a little bit since I've done one of these intros. You know, we kind of switched the show format up a little bit, have been just jumping right into the conversation. I've been interrupting the conversation with uh, a couple commercials, you know, spots for sponsors in my company. So doing a little bit different this time because it's been a little bit since I've dropped an episode. So first, I want to say thank you all for still rocking with the show. If you're still listening, I can't thank you guys enough. You guys are fucking awesome. I know it's been pretty sporadic that the episodes have been dropped. And, you know, it's it's for a reason. And I'll explain that reason. But I just wanted to say thank you. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. It, tr- it's really, it, it really does mean, you know, more than me than you could possibly imagine so just the fact that you like to listen to these conversations you know it blows me away so thank you thank you thank you um we're gonna hop right into the show here in just a second i'm sitting down with jeremy johnson uh jeremy's actually my co-host with shamrock fc where we do uh we do announcing commentary for uh, mma fights and kickboxing so really stoked to sit down with him i actually had him on Probably one of the first 50-ish episodes very early on in the podcast. So if you would like to go back and listen to that, go ahead. Um, it's actually kind of cool to listen to because you can see the growth of the show a little bit. But uh, this was a really fun conversation. Jeremy is uh, he's a, he's a, f- a very smart and successful businessman. Um, he does MMA commentary. And specifically why we had him on the show today, uh, he just launched – uh, not just, I probably would say within the last maybe six months or so, he launched his own whiskey called Uppercut Whiskey. Uh, we we have a couple of drinks on the show. We talk about it. He really educates me on what whiskey is. I'm not a big drinker, so this was really fun to be educated in this space. You know, he is an expert. So this was a really fun conversation. Uh, but before we get to the show, I do want to send a couple quick shout-outs. One, to Strange Donuts. They've been rocking with the show for a long time. So if you are in St. Louis, go check them out. they got four locations. Um, one is over in Illinois and Edwardsville. The other three are in Kirkwood, Creevecore, and Maplewood. So you got a few options. At one point, they were voted, uh, very recently actually, this year, they were voted uh, one of the best donut shops in the country. So if you are in St. Louis, go check them out. Phenomenal people fantastic donuts you will be happy that you did and then my company imposed will so the reason why you know i haven't really been dropping as many episodes is because a lot of my focus has shifted to really building this company imposed will and we are an athletic wear and apparel brand uh really a lifestyle brand surrounded by mindset and mental strength uh we have a lot of grappling uh, gear right now, rash guards, shorts, uh, uh, geese, uh, we have t-shirts, we have all the stuff, we're expanding, we're growing all the time, so if you'd like to support there, that's a big help, go check us out, we are building something that's going to be huge and is changing the world in a real way, so if you'd like to come be a part of it, come check us out at imposedwill.com, I really appreciate it, uh, but that's all I really had, I just wanted to you know touch base with you guys, let you know that, hey, I love you. I cannot thank you guys enough for tuning in. It really does mean the world to me. And um, I do apologize for not being as consistent with the show. I know part of the appeal of podcasting is like, you know, you got that consistent show every week or every day or whatever the case may be. Boom, 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 hit it. And while that, you know, in the beginning, you know, I was doing two episodes a week and then we were doing one episode a week. And 
you know, it's just kind of slowing down a little bit, but it's not without a reason. So the show is still going to is going to be here. Um, the format might change a little bit because if I'm being honest with you guys, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to schedule guests. You get a lot of cancellations. It's it's a it's a lot of coordination. So we might change up the the the, the format a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. Um, either way, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm gonna quit rambling. Let's get to the conversation. Let's gain some perspective with Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy motherfucking Johnson. All right, let's go, my boy. All right. Thank you for doing this. Cheers, sir. Absolutely. Oh, this table's kind of bare. I feel like I should have put more on here. I usually, right. usually have like a salt rock lamp that oh. I take from my <laughs> son's room that I put here just to have it on there. You got to have the ambiance, right? But, hey, we got this nice little bottle of uppercut whiskey here That's in right. between two glasses of... Dude, this is, this is a nice little... That's how it should be. That's you, how it should be. You staged that. I did. You are a fucking professional I mean, in every facet you know, of the word, sir. I'm 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 just kind of one of those guys who are just it, it's got to be right. No matter what, it's always got to be right. Yes. So tell me what you think of this. Well, I tell you, okay, so let's let's walk our listeners through mm-hmm. this through this experience. So I always like to smell it first. Oh, most definitely. Oh my goodness, you get that cinnamon. It smells. It smells like 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 wal- like walnut, like wood. I feel like like okay. like like a, like an earthy, right? Woody. Like oh. it makes me feel like fall. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, perfect time of year, right? Yeah. Oh man, that smells really good. That's a good drink, sir. Yes, I'm glad that you like that. That's so. a good drink, sir. Yeah, that is uh, mm. that's one of my takes on that's an smooth. old fashioned. Man, that's good. So that's dangerous. Oh, that's what big I like. time, big time. Yeah, I uh, I was serving this up at uh, at my bar this weekend, and people were just going crazy for it. So, yeah, it's um it's an ounce and a half uppercut whiskey, um, some bourbon aged maple syrup, uh, a little bitters, a little bit of cherry. You yeah, know, and it works. It's dangerous, dude. Isn't that's it? real good. Dude. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They serve this at places. Oh yeah. Because you you curate drinking menus i do I, I think that's um it's like one of those it's like one of those things that's in your repertoire that nobody really yeah we don't talk a lot about. about what i do with that kind of stuff but you know everybody sees the the mma bourbon appreciation society show and you know that i make drinks and i get asked all the time I'm like well where'd you learn how to do this i'm like well i've owned a bar for a long time really like, oh yeah i owned a bar back um 2015 2012 to 2015 sold that one um I've got an interest in a bar now, so I do that, and I, you know, I, I curate for other places. Mm. I do whiskey picks where, like, I'll go to, let's say that they want a Maker's Mark for mm. their store. They want a private select, right? So they'll basically, they'll have somebody like me go down and tell me kind of what they want it to taste like, and then I'll make it with the Maker's Mark people, and then next thing you know, that store has their private select that uh, we did. No so, shit. Oh yeah, I do barrel picks and things like that for people too. So you are you you're deep in the scene. Oh. Way way so prior to even trying to create your own brand. Oh yeah, I've been a I've been a fan of whiskey. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I've been a fan of whiskey since I was 12 years old. Really? Um, you know, everybody goes to the parties and they're they're drinking you know their little things like you know whatever whatever. Um, mine was straight Jim Beam. I loved whiskey. I loved the taste of it. It's bad because it all started. So my mother took me on vacation once when I was 10 years old and we ended up at the Jack Daniels distillery. Now that's a dry County, right? It is. 
but it, it, the smell and the ideas and all of the things that went on with it, I'm like, man, I could do that. And then as I got, you know, older and like I said, I mean, if I went to a high school party, all I had, I wanted to literally just sit and sip whiskey. I didn't get drunk. I didn't, I mean, I did, but not like crazy, you know, and I, I was never like a, a hardcore slammer of any of it. And I just kind of really got to appreciate it. And then I started tasting other stuff. And when I turned 21, I was kind of done drinking because I'd done it so much. But, um, yeah, it was really like, it was always whiskey. I always went back to whiskey. You know, I had a bad experience in college on tequila, so I didn't touch tequila for like 20 years. And then, but it was always whiskey. And I mean, I was just infatuated with the ideas of how it was made and what made things happen. And so, I mean, I've done, like, I went and did classes on it. And I ended up, um, Craig Nacello on the show actually gives me shit all the time because he's like, well, you know, I'm a certified whiskey steward, which is basically like being a sommelier of whiskey. And so, you know, I can pick, I can do flavors. And it used to be bad because I would go to bars and they would play Let's Guess the Proof on the thing. And I could do it by just taste. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So so a trip to the the Jack Daniels facility when you were... Twelve years old started it all. Started it all. Yep. And just being exposed to that process and the smells and the sights and just yep. the whole experience had you hooked from day one. Yeah, it, it's one of those that you know, you know how you have those core memories as a kid. Mm-hmm. That's one of my good ones. And so I didn't have a whole lot of good ones growing up, and that was one of my good ones. And it just always kind of kept me going back there and kept me always just into the whiskey thing. And just as I got older. Um, I got really into the ideas behind it, like I said, and then, you know, I, about five years ago, I thought, you know, it'd be really interesting. I bet I could make this. Mm. So I got, had, had a few pours one night and, uh, had a few too many pours. The next thing you know, I'm on Amazon at one o'clock in the morning and I'm buying everything that you need to build a steel, to to build a still, to build all of the, the mash bills. I bought grains. I bought the fermenters, like one big order, bought everything. And then, you know, next thing you know, five years later, I got a bottle of my own sitting on the table that actually started off in my kitchen. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know smell is, um, it's like one of the strongest, like, links to memory. Mm-hmm. What smell links you back to, it's like, you smell that, you're like, oh, that's, like, that, that speaks whiskey to you. So, there is a part in the fermentation process where after... It all has been cooked together. Mm-hmm. The corn and all the grains sit together in a big thing, and it's just, it's just, they just added the yeast to it, and it now starts the fermentation process. I can tell that smell from a mile away. Really? That, and when you walk into the rickhouses where all of the barrels are stored for aging, there is a very, very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. And I can smell it for a quarter mile away, like whenever I'm going to a distillery in Louisville or if I'm going to meet my blenders for this type of stuff i can smell it and i mean it's just it's instantaneous i'm it, it's the happiest place i could be at oh, really? is oh, it like yeah. a like a wood smell it, or what is it it's woody it's um it's very like almost baking so okay. think about the smell of something baking now take that or grain and beer being processed okay you can almost like smell the warmth exactly Exactly. And it's so cool. Um, you feel just, I mean, me personally, I'm like, yep, I'm home. This is it. Every time I go to Louisville and I go to Louisville about every 90 days Okay, and you know, I can tell when I walk into the, to the, uh, the distilleries that I like to hang out at, or if I'm going out and talk business with somebody, even, you know, I, I can tell what we're going to get into whenever we get there. So Louisville is such an interesting place. Oh yeah. 
I went with some. It was Tracy Taylor and okay. um, our, it was Brett and uh, my friend Mike Moreau. I can't remember Brett's last name, but either way, those guys and um, they do like an annual trip to Louisville mm-hmm. to to like hit all the spots sure. and see what they can find and whatnot. So I like, tagged along one time. Yeah, it's quite the experience to go on. You know, like the hunt for you know rare bottles or just see what you can find or try to because you can only get certain things in that town oh yeah that you can't get anywhere else and i was so shocked by how many people made the trek from you know indian indianapolis st louis just all over people are it's a destination for, for this this liquid nectar it is it's and it's everywhere that you go you know people are always looking for that one that they call their unicorn bottle. And it's just funny to watch all of these people from all across the country. It may be a bottle of Blanton's or it may be, you know, some kind of Elijah Craig or Mickner's that they've never seen before where they're at. And these people just, their faces light up and it's amazing when they get it, you know, and mm-hmm. it, being a guy who has a, a pretty extensive collection, you know, I, I get it because I've chased bottles and things like that. And now, you know, and I've got a lot. I mean, I probably got 150 bottles in my personal collection. Oh yeah. What do you think? What do you think the estimated value is of that of that collection? <sighs> a lot, <laughs> a lot, um, a lot. Yeah, I mean, because I've got, I've got a Pappy Van Winkle twenty three. I've got the twenty year. I've had a ten. I've had a twelve. And I mean, I've had them all. What's the range on Pappy Van Winkle? Of so, like cost now on the on the secondary market, you're looking between nine hundred and four thousand dollars a bottle. <laughs> Yeah, so the twenty-three years about four grand a bottle. Holy shit! Oh, yeah. What makes a good whiskey or bourbon? And there's a difference, right? Whiskey and oh, bourbons. Yeah. So first, all... explain that to okay. me. Okay. So first and foremost, now it, it it all comes down to how it's made. Okay. So all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. That's the the saying that everybody uses. Okay. So to be a bourbon, you have to be 51% corn in your mash bill or your ingredients that come together. So it has to be 51% of it has to be corn grain. And then from there, it has to be aged in a new charred American oak vessel. So a barrel, whatever. But it has to have new charred American oak in it. Okay. Okay. Um, And then you get into what the Bottled and Bond Act was, which is what made serious specifications on that it can only be made in America and be called bourbon. Um, so, so only bourbon can come from like a certain, is it, so can, can bourbon come from anywhere in America or can anywhere it only the, come from like Tennessee? Anywhere in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Bourbon can be anywhere in the United States. Um, and then there's, you know, there's differences that go, then you said Tennessee. So there's differences that go to Tennessee whiskey because there's an extra process added that we have arguments all the time, you know, is Jack Daniels bourbon? No, Jack Daniels is not bourbon. It's not? Jack Daniels is Tennessee whiskey. Oh, see, I thought Jack Daniels was bourbon. Not in the least. Why is not it not even bourbon? Close. Because it uses a process called the Lincoln County method, which is after it's been distilled and the white distillate comes off the still, it runs through charcoal. And that they actually burn on site there at Jack Daniels. And it runs through to the bottom and it takes out a lot of what they call the congeals, which is some of the impurities in it. Okay. Um, and with those, it produces a sweeter flavor as it ages. But because of that process, it is no longer bourbon. It's Tennessee whiskey. Oh, okay. No matter who's watching this and disagrees with me, that's true. So, 
Huh. So they're just they're taking um, creative liberties with, exactly. with their marketing and well, wording. Well, you know, they've always – Jack Daniels was one of those kind of guys who didn't want to be called bourbon anyway. He wanted a separated product. He wanted to be Tennessee whiskey. He wanted to be the best Tennessee whiskey. So, yeah, it was – he was all about not being called bourbon. Really? So, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't and actually, know he was the one who, who basically got the designation of Tennessee whiskey to be a non-bourbon. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is, is, is cognac whiskey? Mm-mm. What is cognac? Cognac is distilled wine. Really? Oh, yeah. What? So you take wine and you distill it, and that's what makes cognac, and then they age it. Wow. Oh, yeah. Shit. Didn't know that. So, yeah, cognac brandies, things like that, yeah. Those are just aged wine. Aged well, they they have to be redistilled. So not so after they make the wine, mm-hmm. um, they'll take that and then they'll run it through a still. So it will you know heat up, it will vaporize, go through, cool, and then come down. And then the liquid that comes out, that condensation, is basically your your brandies and so that's yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So that's kind of like how like champagne is like you can only or actually not that isn't but um how you said um like uh, bourbon can mm-hmm. only come from america kind of like how champagne is only from from america. the re- the champagne region of france yeah okay okay and you know that makes sense scotch can only come from scotland you can't you can't make american scotch you can't make american irish whiskey and there's a you know there's distinct processes to all of it so oh, wow yeah could you make something and say it is though i mean i have made what would be Irish whiskey, if it were made in Ireland, like I made it in my house as, you know, kind of a test bed. But, um, yeah, I couldn't call it that. I could call it American whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I could call it just straight whiskey. But, uh, yeah, I could not call it Irish. Because it doesn't come from the place. Because it does not come from the place. Now, does the region actually affect the taste because of like, I don't know, maybe the altitude or the water or, you know, the water is the biggest thing that matters. And that's why, you know, Jack Daniels is built on an aquifer out there. Um, Louisville has this ultimate limestone shelf that makes the water perfect. Um, I actually have a business idea around that that may happen at some point in time. So, um, but yeah, you actually have to have a very good water source. And if you don't like, even when I make it at home, I don't make it with just tap water. You know, I get a specific spring water that I use to, to use. So you shouldn't make anything with tap water. No, you really sh- you shouldn't drink tap water. Let's be honest. At all. Yeah, completely. I know. I'm always <laughs> baffled by the amount of additives there in tap water. Oh. It's like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? Dude, it's terrifying. But it, it and it doesn't make good whiskey. It actually gives it a real weird aftertaste. Yeah, I'm sure there's sort there's some sort of chemical or impurative. Oh, completely. Imp- yeah, impurative. Is that even a word? Yeah. Impurity that's in there that uh, will affect the the final product. Yeah. So what's your process? What was the process like to make this, dude? Because I'm sure it was like a long one right well i mean it took almost four years to get what's in the bottle that's a long time it was and it was a lot of trial and error i mean i bet i made 60 70 80 batches that just you know either end up giving away thrown down the drain i mean there was some of it was bad really i mean it was bad and i tried a bunch of different flavor profiles um there's there were gonna be three originally that were gonna come out um it was gonna be this one a banana and then an apple and the banana and the apple we got hung up with the fda because oh, really? it's real so none of it that i use in this so like everybody has always said well you made cinnamon whiskey so you made fireball i'm like no i didn't make fireball because there's no sugar added there's real cinnamon in it there's real walnut in it there's no extract oh no so there is walnut in this oh absolutely yeah did i say walnut when i taste i mean it? you did see cinnamon walnut right there. i didn't yeah. read that exactly i was just smelling that was good see you got it though that that's a trained nose man that's Shit, a trained bro. nose so no but you know it was one of those that i wanted to do something that 
non-flavored whiskey drinkers would be like, okay, I can deal with this because it's good. Um, it's 90 proof, which is really high for anything that has a flavor to it. Most of them are like 40. Yeah. Um, to the point that Fireball isn't even really considered a whiskey. It's a liqueur. Yeah, so, that's super And it's sweet. terrible. Yeah, this isn't sweet. These no. are subtle notes. Right. There's a difference. Yeah, you're still Smooth. getting a lot of vanilla. You're still getting a lot of that, you know, caramely that you see to it. It just happens to have a cinnamon nose to it pretty good and then a little bit of, you know, nuttiness in the back end of mm -hmm. it. So, yeah, but it took a long, long time. And then once I finally got what I was happy with, I was lucky enough that I had friends who um, were in the spirits industry. I have a friend who owns a distributorship. Um I had a, a bunch of friends who were like big time bartenders in St. Louis. So like we took this to every big bar that I knew somebody at. And I'm like, here, tell me what you think and yeah. be honest. And we changed some things from it. But I mean, like I went to guys who were, you know, at the big ones like um, Clark and Bourbon, Olive and Oak and all around St. Louis that are, you know, these high, high end mixing guys. And they really took to it and they were so that was why really we were able to jump into the places that we are now because i had done so much footwork with those guys and they got to see it from the beginning and into this and so yeah it was it was very cool but we we took it um it's kind of funny because i never thought the flavor would work like at all i i thought that's a terrible idea it was actually it was it was my girl's idea on the cinnamon walnut part really I'm like, yeah i'm like no this is gonna be bad dude the cinnamon apple sounds amazing but you said that so that because you're using because real, real apples, apples yeah and it's it, because the the real apples aren't it's not the process that it took to get the flavor to it mm -hmm. was more like an infusion and not like a distillation process okay so like it actually sat like the whiskey the distillate that i made sat in a barrel with apples in it or with bananas in it and so because you're using real fruit there's like a shelf life things and all this other testing we had to go through um the banana may still come out really yeah they um the the company that we work with um next century spirits that does our our distillations for us because i couldn't make this in my kitchen and get it the scale it's been you know we're in 60 80 stores now in missouri from joplin to kansas city you've grown a lot in a, in a very short time yeah yeah um how long know. has this been on the market now like a, has it been a year no we we hit the market on january 30th yeah so i mean shit we're it's september now right so nine months yeah it was crazy because i i had an i had them make enough that i thought would last me about a year i guess eight months yeah and so i had them make enough that i thought would last a year and then Within two months, we were, like, almost sold out, and I was lost. I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't – nobody told me this was how this was supposed to go. You know, we were looking at the idea of, all right, so I got to reorder. I got to get more made. And so then it became, you know, we're on our fourth now, different – fourth fourth set of uh, distillation on it. So Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What's, what's, what's the time frame on the process from start to finish until you can get this in a bottle? Um, it's a good, at the moment, about four months. Okay. Yeah. And so if you run out of out of all product, you gotta wait. You have to wait, <laughs> completely. Yeah. So you don't want to ever run out because, you know, we've made it onto menus of bars, and so you you always want to make sure that they've got what they need. We've gotten, you know, I'm getting pictures now from, you know, as far away as Oklahoma of people who have like six and seven bottles that are empty. Um, the St. Louis MMA community though has been like 
amazing to me. You know, I've, I mean, we've been around the world with MMA here in St. Louis forever, but the, they took off with it and it just floored me. You know, there are guys out there who, who send me pictures that, Oh yeah, I'm on my sixth bottle. I love the stuff, you know? And I mean, I'm amazed because I would have, I would have never thought that it would have taken off like it has. And so it's been, it's been really cool because it's now it's pushed me for like, what do I want to do next? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's good whiskey, man. It's really good. And now that I'm at the, like the bottom of this drink right now, I'm just like, <laughs> shit, dude. This is dangerous, dude. Oh, it is. This is dangerous. I might fuck around and get drunk tonight. <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that yeah, at all. I don't do it often. Man, this is good, dude. Well, good. I'm glad you like it. Wow, that's really good. What makes a good whiskey? Uh, in my opinion, a good whiskey takes age. It takes time. Um, you can take... A mediocre whiskey, and if it sits in a barrel for a long time, it's it's a, it completely changes things. Really? Oh yeah. Um, there are times where you can take something at, you know, two years, and then taste it at four years, and it becomes a completely different product. What's going on in the whiskey during or in the barrel during that time? Okay. So whiskey? so what happens is is while you're you know, while you put your whiskey in the barrel, you put it in what they call the Rick House, which is just this big warehouse, and they're floor to ceiling, nothing but barrels. They call them the Rick House. Yep, exactly. And so what happens is, is they heat up during the summer, so everything expands, and everything smells like whiskey because it's evaporating. Well, it's getting into the wood and it's coming out. So then when it gets cold, all of it contracts. So it goes from what was inside and pulled into the wood, comes now out, and that's what gives you all of the color and all of the flavor. So it all comes from that. So. If you spend more time in the barrel, you, you hit a sweet spot. And my personal sweet spot is I like between 9 and 12 years. So think about that. Something that you put in a barrel today, you're not going to see for 12 years. And it's going to evaporate so much that you may lose half the barrel. So now you have a less supply. Oh, wow. And that's why you see, like, they talk about there's shortages of things. You know, there's shortages of Buffalo Trace. You can only get, you know, Blanton's on a specific time. You're, you know, Pappy Van Winkle has been in a barrel for 23 years. You know, so it goes from 53 gallons, you know, or, you know, it, it has maybe a quarter of what was supposed to be in there left. And wow. so there isn't a lot of it. Is there a standard rate of evaporation? There is a math are... formula to it, but it really yeah. all depends on the region. Okay. You know, because the weather, you know, it may be hot some years, so you're going to get a lot of uh, evaporation. Some years it won't be. Wow. Yeah, so. I kind of picture that, like, it's in this process of just continuously, like, expanding and contracting, expanding and contracting, and when it contracts, it's, like, just infused with all this other flavor. And exactly. And it's, like, in this other form. Yep. It's like the universe, bro. Exactly. Expand and contract. Exactly. Everything, everything does the same thing. That's wild. It's all the same thing, man. And it all makes a cool product. So Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating yeah so like literally you may if you sit for 12 years you may have half a barrel left so you have to plan for that loss exactly and so now you know the the, the distilleries of kentucky are trying to keep up with the demand that's going to be in five to seven years you know now is already gone there's nothing that they can do about it it's what's next yeah so now i would imagine by doing that you are also changing the barrel itself with what flavor it would provide? No, so the, the, the every barrel is a little bit different, but it's all basically everything is done to be, you know, it has to be charred American oak. 
you know, it, it has to be that. Mm -hmm. And so every barrel that makes bourbon has to be that. Now, there are, you'll get people who will finish it. So, like, some of them will take a used barrel from, like, a port wine, and they'll put their whiskey in that afterwards to impart a different flavor to it. But for the most part, you know, it's everybody really kind of gets the same barrels. It just depends on what they use for their grain recipe, mm -hmm. what their, their rickhouse is like, where it's at, how much sun it sees. All of that plays into it. I guess I'm assuming that barrels are just reused, are they? No, you cannot use. They have to be new to be bourbon. Really? So what ends up, okay. yeah, so they always have to be new. And they take them and they, they literally sit them on top of this fire pit. And it shoots flames up through them. And it sits for between, you know, 30 seconds and about four minutes. And that's what toasts the inside of it and burns the inside of it. And then they take and they wash them and then they get filled up with whiskey. What do they do with them when they're done? They end up in Ireland and Scotland. And so Jameson is like the biggest buyer of American bourbon barrels because you may get Jameson whiskey that was aged in a, a Buffalo Trace barrel. Because, really? Yeah, because they don't have the standard that says it has to be new. So they all use, buy use from the United States. So does that cause like a fluctuation or a very like like does it cause variance in, in the not flavor really, profiles? Because like? they dump so much of it together. You know, they're not pulling like one individual barrel out and then selling that individual barrel. Like they'll take thousands of barrels, dump them in together. They all get mixed together and then they all get put out. Really? Oh yeah. Have you been there and seen this process in Ireland? Yeah. No, I, feel I have like not. You're a worldly man. I would love to go do it. And as a matter of fact, my buddy Craig just got back from Ireland because of Bellator, and all I got all night long were drunk texts from Jameson <laughs> because that boy got messed up and it was funny to see. Oh. Were you jelly? Absolutely I was jealous. Like I was like, man, I hate you and I love you at the same time because he's just out here living it up. He boy. is man. That just living traveling it the world, drinking whiskey. He's kicking ass and taking names, baby. Absolutely. Wow, dude. This is this is a very involved process. Oh it is, completely. Yeah. I was I was really kind of surprised once I got like knee deep into it. You know, when you really start, you decide that, okay, well, I'm going to make a business out of this. It, it changes everything because a hobby to a business is a whole other animal. And well, yeah. this is a well-regulated business. It's <sighs> not, I mean, the barrier to entry has to be astronomical. Yeah, that was the word I wanted to say. Yeah, it's it cannot be easy to no. get into this space. Um, and I, I was told whenever I first started, that they were surprised that I had gotten as far as I did being a one-person shop because okay. this is just me. This is you. This is like a labor of love. It's it's myself, my kids, my girl, and like Matt Frazier from you know he because he helps with everything. I mean he is involved in the um, the production of videos to like he designed the label. Like we we I had some ideas and he took it and he ran with this and I mean it he helps with all of like the marketing materials and everything. So you know there's really like. In all told, probably five of us who really do any, but I mean, I funded everything. I 100% own all of it. Man. So, yeah. You're all in. Oh, <laughs> like a big dog. You're all in. A lot. So. Shit, dude. So when was your first job in a bar? Um, First job in a bar. I was a bouncer at Mississippi Nights back really. in the old days. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a bouncer for a lot of years, actually. Um, did that and then moved to... Um, I did some bartending for a while just um, around McLeod's Landing. I did, like, the Bernard Pub and places like that that aren't around anymore. But Yeah. Because I was a musician. I played music, and so I knew everybody in the business anyway down there. So that was kind of how I got involved in You've it. You've been yeah. in the nightlife scene for a long time. I, I have, man. Well, I'm old, man, so. How are you? <laughs> See, nobody believes it when I tell them. 
You're in your 40s. I'm 48. I'm 48? Yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. You're yeah. almost 50? Yeah, I'm almost 50. No, you don't look like it at all. You're, you're still very youthful in your spirit. Yeah, nobody nobody believes me. I've had to pop the driver's license on a couple of people. You're 14 to... years older than me. I know. When's your birthday? Uh, September 11th. September? Yeah. yeah. Oh, September 11th. So you just turned 48. Yeah, I just turned, yeah. So you're closer to 13. I'll be 35 in December. Yeah, so, but yeah, still. I mean, I'm old, man. But I've been around a long time, so. Yeah, man. Shit, dude. You know. You've been in this space for a long time. Dude, I've had some lives. I remember, you know, kickboxing at the Viking and, you know, old, old school stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's it like being in, in these, because these, you've essentially kind of like orbited kind of like the same spaces for a long time and that like you're in the music space and obviously the bar scene. So kind of like that nightlife bar, yeah. whiskey scene, and then like also pair that with like the fight scene. You've sure. been in the fight scene for a long time. Like what's it like being in these scenes for so long and like now to kind of see it all kind of be married into this one venture? Well, th- that's really cool because I got to kind of play it all together. Yeah. But, man, I mean, I have been around for so long that you see, you know, like there are the, the guys now that they consider like the seasoned veterans that, you know, I remember guys three generations ago fighting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I remember when, you know, Mike Rogers was fighting. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, I remember when Jesse Finney used to kickbox. I remember Jesse fought on Shamrock. Oh, Not yeah. Shamrock, I'm sorry, Strike Force. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, but, I mean, he fought, like, in, you know, the others, like, the little shows, mm-hmm. too, before that. I mean, he yeah, so, but, I mean, it, it's so weird. You know, I remember, like... The, the original Matt Hughes, Carlos Newton days and that kind of stuff. So, because, I mean, it, it, when you've been around that long, you know, it, you, you see people come and go. And, I mean, like, I've seen guys, you know, I remember, you know, you fighting in Bellator. I remember when you fought, you know, up in Kansas City for Shamrock in the time. Actually, I think I called that fight. Yeah, you did for sure. Dude. And, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's been so long that you really kind of get it gets crazy with what and where you are. You know yeah. I mean? I've seen so many people come and go, and, you know, now they're like, you know, I've seen people who, like, did it, and then they, like, went away and got married and got, you know, businesses and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's so weird. It is weird. You know, it, it's very strange. Like, even even my daughter, who's who's been around it, you know, my, both my kids have been around since they were, you know, like, eight and five. And they, they're all like, man. It's really changed since. I'm like, yeah, well, you've been around forever, so. Long time, and now they're both yeah. working in the business. Oh, yeah, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, dude. You're like, you're a legit pillar of the MMA community, especially here in St. Louis. Nah. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> come on now, dude. Nah. You've seen a lot. You've done, you've been there. You've done a little bit of fighting. I remember, well, how long ago was it? Maybe a couple years ago, you just took a fight pretty randomly. Like, yeah. you didn't tell anybody. You just I went didn't, and did it. It was, it, I guess yeah. that's probably been four years ago yeah, now, about, at least four yeah, or five years. Four or five years ago was the last yeah. time I did it. And I had, you know, I had done some kickboxing. I'd done some judo. I had done, you know, point fighting. I'd done all this kind of crap. But I wanted to finally do, like, one MMA fight, and I didn't want anyone to know it. Because I didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, Jeremy Johnson from Shamrock is here and blah, 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 blah. Because, like, you know, you've seen it. We, we, we get a reputation. And it was like I just, didn't, I just wanted to do it. I didn't want it to be like a big thing. Um, and I had a blast. But it was so funny because, like, I'm in the back getting ready. And then one of the refs comes and goes, what in the hell are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm the fourth fight on there. Like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, all's good. And I'm like getting ready. And so, you know, you have, they, they stage in the back and then, then you go and I'm walking. And all I hear is I hear people going, is that Jeremy Johnson? 
And I'm like, God damn it, this is all I'm getting. Can't escape it, buddy. No, it was so weird. And by the time I got done, um, Rob Doniker, the matchmaker of, of Shamrock, had gotten like three phone calls that, you know, Jeremy's fighting on this card in like Columbia, Missouri. Everybody went and told that. Oh, yeah, they did. I figured it was. I figured it was better to ask for forgiveness and permission. There. Always, so, yeah, bro. So I just did it up, Listen. but it was great. I had a, you know, I had fun. I, uh, I did, I did really well for being, you know, forty-five against a twenty-three-year-old who was, you know, ended up. Uh, I was told he was zero and zero. Came out, he had like seven fights. Dude, you look great. For real. So I know thirty-year-olds who look like shit. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, you, you got you got to move. Everything's about movement, and I mean, you know that. You got you got to stay moving. You got to stay doing something because the minute that like you stop, you know, I always thought being a judo guy, like my shoulders hurt. You know, my 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 knees have been messed up. My body is all messed up. But like the minute that you stop, it's so much worse. It's so much worse. So you know, I'm ready to go back now. Like I I, I had my COVID break. Gain some COVID weight, and now it's like, all right, I'm ready to go train again. Yeah, get moving again. Exactly. And I'm sure this is keeping you busy. Does this, does this make it difficult? Kind of like, well, you know, this scene is not a healthy scene. It's it's late nights. It, 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 there's a lot, but you know, I, I I own a couple other businesses. I have a couple other ventures, and so. I really try to find time for everything. You know, you got to have time for your business. You got to have time for you. You got to have time for your family because if you don't, you're just, you're missing out. And you don't want to ever, you know, no matter how cool and how whatever this is, you don't want to ever miss out on the other stuff too. And so, you know, I always like make sure that like my kids are involved in this with me. You know, I'm, I'm teaching my daughter how to bartend now at our place. So, you know, she's going to be jumping into that. Um, you know, my son runs the cameras for us now, you know, and then he's, he's learning to be a cut man with Craig and he's, I mean, he's doing great with it. So you got to keep that stuff. And if you can kind of keep them in the same vein with you and you're always doing, you know, it, it all kind of works to the same ending. It works out even better. That's cool. You can keep them involved because oftentimes kids usually want to find their own thing. Right. I was very lucky that they had been around it for so long and that's all that they ever knew. You know, I mean, both of them, you know, my daughter had been in judo. She's 21 now. She'd been in judo since she was 10. You know, my son is 16. He's, he was five when he started. And, I mean, he's done that, Brazilian jiu-jitsu boxing. You know, he's, he really branched. And, you know, my daughter did mostly judo. But, like, they were always involved in MMA. And, I mean, when I was doing my old show, that MMA show, like, my daughter would go with me and be camera person. You know, she would, like, go run the camera behind the scenes while I did all the interviews and stuff. And so it was always I tried to keep them involved with me. So, yeah. and it really, it really worked out because, you know, now, like I said, you know, um, my daughter runs most of the social media on fight nights for the shows. Um, my son is either, you know, working cameras or he's, you know, working wrapping hands in the back now because he's got that you know, going. So, yeah, it's cool because they're always there with me now. Yeah, so. proud dad for sure. Absolutely. That's a proud dad moment. Oh, for yeah, real, completely. Dude. Man, dude, how do you try to, how, like, how do you keep everything straight? Like, how do you organize your life? <laughs> you know, this one, this one is probably the toughest. And actually it was kind of weird because, um, so I, I, I don't, I've never been diagnosed with like ADHD, but everybody tells me and like my girl's a therapist and she's like, you have ADHD really bad. And I'm like, no, I don't. She's like, no, you do. You just focus really well as far as what you have to do. And I don't think if I, if I would ever like actually go get it and get, you know, medicine or whatever, I would screw everything up because I don't have to sleep much. Um, I sleep about four hours a night. 
my mind, and I'm not, I'm not bragging because I would love to do more, but I just can't. Yeah. Um, but I always have everything is a very set. So like at point A, I'm going to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I am going to do X, Y, and Z for my, one of my other businesses. And then I'm going to go do my next thing. And then at, you know, six o'clock, I'm going to work on the whiskey and all of this. And I mean, it's just, it has to be very, very structured because when I lose structure, I just kind of sit and stare because mm. there's so much going on. Yeah. So, do you have like, like, do you like write it out or? I do a lot. I do a lot in, um, I, I've tried everything. I mean, I've had like notebooks and blah, 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 but I, I, everything now just gets written in my iPad. Like you've seen at the fight nights. Mm-hmm. Like I have my big iPad that I carry with me everywhere. Okay. And that's kind of how I always have everything going. That's your so, lifeline. Yeah, exactly. So, and if I, I ever don't have it, I really get lost. Okay. So, cause I have to, I have to schedule it because if I start to like, chase the shiny thing down the hole Mm -hmm. um i i really get messed up and you know last time i did that i ended up i ended up buying into another business that didn't work and i mean some other stuff so like if i get too shiny i gotta i gotta back off so gotta stay structured exactly what's a day look like for you typically i mean i'm sure the details kind of vary but yeah but i mean it's kind of the same i i'm i'm always up by like 5 30 ish um i take my son to school um head to my my office I'm there for a while. I go run my meetings, do that kind of stuff. I try to do all of my phone calls between like 1130 and like two for the day. Um, pick him up at school. Cause I always try to be like, I always try to be there for that. Um, head home. I try to have dinner with the family at like five and then it's like, all right, now I go do the rest of it. So like I'll go, then I'll go take care of like whiskey stuff that came through the day or any of that. And it just kind of varies on like when I've got to do like distributor talks and things like that. But, you know, and then like fight weeks change everything. And I get real weird during fight weeks. I get like real like, um, you know, I've been, I've been called a diva during fight week. I've been called all kinds of stuff, but it's just because it kind of changes my focus because I want everything to be so good on fight night that I don't want anything else to get involved. So I very much tuned in. What do you mean by that? Well, I know whenever I, you know, you're like the, a lot of the production relies on, on you and and like you making decisions and, and kind of pointing people in places. So like, I noticed it's like, like you're, like you're on and like, so you're, did like, that surprise you when, like you're when you started people. with me? Um, no, I don't think so because as a fighter, I've seen you do that. Like whenever I was okay, yeah. whenever I was fighting, yeah. like you know, I would see you. You're like, um, it's a little bit different because like now it's like I'm on the other side and we're like more partners. Right. Like so it's but before it was always like I could always tell you're very much in like work mode. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, no, like I'm doing this, this, and this, and it's like you know you're. We're kicking off the, um, you know, we're kicking off uh, weigh-ins, and you're, and you know, you're making sure everybody has their paperwork in, and they went through the process, and then you're doing your interviews, and you're telling people what to do tomorrow, and then the, when the next day comes, like obviously it's a lot different for fighters on fight day, sure. but obviously you're still, I didn't get to see all of like um, you kind of like directing people as a fighter, but now I get to see that, but I could kind of feel yeah. that anyway. Yeah, it, it's always a lot of people are just like, man, I can't believe, you know, what you do throughout it. Cause I mean, like, you know, I work a lot doing, you know, producer, like line producer roles from as we're sitting. Yeah. And I don't think I knew that it was that detailed. Yeah. For sure. And it, it really is, you yeah. know, I mean, like I'm calling when we're going to, you know, when we go into the ring announcer, when we're going to go to commercials, when all of that is, is all done, you know, through it. And so, yeah, we don't go until I say specific words and it's all worked out. And so, yeah, it, it's different, man. Dude, you're fixing technical difficulty, <laughs> difficulties and everything, man. Like, yeah, that one, that one, but that's what you want because, you know, you want the people who are watching it at the end, you know, to have as good of an experience as they can. You know, I mean, like, I can't help, 
you know, internet drops and things like that. But like, you know, I can fix sound on the, on the, on the run and I can kind of tell like what's going on. Cause if I've got somebody watching it live, they'll tell me what's going back through it. And I always have somebody on the other end who will tell me what's happening and I can kind of change and fix and, you know, like help our producer go from that end of things, you know? And so, yeah, there's a lot of it that goes into it. And I mean, it's, it's constant. Has your role just kind of like grown into that or? Has- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't, you know, I never really, I mean, I started off as a cut man. You know, I was, I was the first cut man for Shamrock FC. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, it was funny because one day they, uh, they handed me a microphone and they were like, I need just somebody, a different voice to make announcements. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And they, Cause they knew what I had done radio and stuff. And so I did my announcements and then and all of a sudden, like two weeks later, me and you know, Jesse are having lunch and he was like, uh, you know, are, what do you, I'm, I'm like, well, I want to be Mike Goldberg. That was always what I wanted to be. I want to be Mike Goldberg. And so he gave me the shot and I have literally in the last, I think eight, nine, eight years now, eight years. I've never missed a show like ever. I've never, there's it's only been me since then. Yeah. There was a guy who did two shows before me, and then it's only been me. Really? Yeah. You just took complete ownership. I've, I've That's ne- your style. You take ownership. I, if I'm going to do it, man, we're going to do it the whole way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the time, it was like, all right, cool. And then, you know, I just, I wrote the, the beginnings and the shows. And, like, I write a show run of kind of how everything is going to go and everything that we're going to talk about. You know, I mean, because, like, you get sheets whenever you step in. It's got all the information, all the fighters. And, you know, I've wrote all of that out already. And so it, it makes things much easier to just sit and go. Yeah. So, you know, especially as long as they talk to us. Dude, you got high output, bro. <laughs> high output. Yeah. Well, you said you only sleep four hours a night. So it sounds like you're going to bed at like midnight, one o'clock every fucking About night. About that. Yeah. <sighs> Dude. Oh, yeah. Dude. And I just, it just is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I go to bed when I'm tired and I get up when I'm not. That's fair. But it's about 5.30 in the morning every day. So, yeah, it, it works out. You know, there are days I'll sleep in, but not, not a whole lot. So. Have you had a mentor through any of this process? Oh, you have to. You have to have mentors. Um, in business and fighting and all of it, you got to have somebody who was in the place that you want to be. And then you want to – because you always want to surround yourself with, with where you aspire to be. You know, I could sit and, you know, hang out with my old friends from high school who still are all kind of in the same group. Or, you know, I could hang out with guys who have already done what I wanted to do. And those guys are, moreover than not, the ones who will tell you and help you through it. And, you know, I've had a really, I've been really lucky that I've been able to do that with other people now too. Because you got to give back. But yeah, if you don't have a mentor in what you want to be and what you want to do and how, because... Nobody has all the answers, no matter what, you know, I've done a ton of stuff. I don't have all the answers. I have to ask people all the time about stuff. And if you, you've got somebody behind you who really is very open to it, um, it changes your world. And I, I was lucky enough that I had two really, really big mentors in my life. And so they have helped me through business careers like I would have never thought at all. I mean, it completely changed everything for me. So, yeah, because, I mean, I grew up, like, super poor, didn't know jack squat from anything, never went to college. Um, a lot of people don't know that one about me either. Yeah, I never really went to college. Um, and I just – I had somebody along the way and a, a drive that wouldn't quit. Mm. You know, if you've got the drive, you know, Andy Frisella at first form, you know, he talks about that all the time. You know, if you've got the drive, it changes everything. Yeah, man, you got you to gotta do the work. You got to be willing to do the work. 
Well, you get it. Look how big this has grown for you. Slowly but surely. I mean, you know, I'm telling you what, man. Imposed will. That's the best gi I've ever owned. Thank you. I mean, for real. Like, I'm, dude. At this stage of the game, I, I, we make the best fucking gear on planet Earth. Completely. Like, I'm, I'm so sold on that because sold on that. Like convinced because I, because you know, in the beginning when you're, you know, like when you're putting shit to market, like sure. you don't really know necessarily what how you're going to be received. You know, I have high standards and I was very meticulous mm-hmm. throughout the entire process and you know. Because everything is like cut and sew, and I chose the fabric, and we went through different suppliers. Like, you know, it's a, it's a process, dude. It took me almost two years to make these shorts. Oh. It took a long time. Well, I get it because – so I have been lucky enough that I have had a lot of sponsors throughout my life and career in, in combat sports. And I'm telling you what, man, that gi is the best one I've ever gotten. Thank and you. I and, and I bought it. I mean, like, I'm, I didn't – you know, I didn't want – I never asked. Um but it is literally out of all of like, and I mean, I have had from Adidas to the, the you know, the, the, the big manufacturers up in Wisconsin and all these other guys out there. I've had them all and I've always got them for free. And I'm like, I would buy this one over again Thank because you. it's, it's that good. So that, I mean, you should, you should really be proud of that because it's, it's amazing that that's, you know, one guy. Cause I'm telling you, one guy can change the world and stuff. You can do a lot, man. If you just put your put your fucking your heart and soul and everything into it. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, completely. It, it's a roller coaster, dude. Um, I wanted to ask you though, because uh, we're talking about mentors, and I it's it's I think that's one of the, one of the harder things to do in that when you're a guy who's trying to like level up, mm-hmm. and you know you want to be around those people who are doing the things that you're doing, you don't necessarily have a lot to offer. Like maybe you have something to offer. But it's like, how did you how did you seek those people out, or, or try to or like like what advice maybe that would you have to like to get around those people, or to like to get into those rooms? You well, know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, you know, it really came down to it. I had two really big mentors in business, and what it was for me, my first one, um, I started off that I was introduced to them because they had a computer problem and I was a computer guy. That was my thing. You know, I've, I've, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I still, I own a computer business. Um, and so it was one of those that I had gotten asked to help him out with something. So you were able to help him. Well, I was able to help him, but then, you know, small talk happens when you're doing things and he's just like, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts and this and that? And we just kind of got talking and then I was, you know, kind of genuine about it and I, I never boasted i'm just you know i'm just some schmuck from grand city illinois i tell that everybody now still um and it was just he was like well you know have you ever thought about this and that i'm like no i really never did he goes well you know come by and let me let's talk about this and we ended up having lunch a couple of times and next thing you know he's like well i'll let you into my business to help me do this um because you have a pretty good computer background and from him we did that for years, and he ended up building one of the biggest billboard manufacturing companies in, like, the United States. Oh, cool. I mean, I, I want to say that they ended up selling out for hundreds of millions of dollars. And he introduced me to his one of his partners in another venture, and that gentleman was, like when you when you talk of the upper echelons of things he was i mean he owned car dealerships he owned a you know a condo complex in vale colorado and he again he asked me about a computer question i went and helped him and he was like you know i hear you're really trying to do some of you know this type of things and he's like so let me show you kind of some of the things and those people they want to give back no matter how, you know, how vilified rich people get. Um, they really do. Rich. Yeah, exactly. Because 
you know, but I mean, it was one of those that I was there anytime and anywhere that they needed it. And that's where they saw the, the want and desire to help me. Yeah. Because, you know, there were times if, you know, if his computer didn't work and he happened to be in Vail, Colorado, and he would call me up and go, my Wi-Fi doesn't work. I'm like, oh, we'll try this, this, and this. It doesn't work. He goes, okay, this isn't working. I'm going to send you a plane ticket. I need you to get on and come out and fix this. Okay. Yeah. And I would go to the airport. You just offered help. Exactly. And solutions without ever asking anything in return. Right. I didn't want it. You know, I didn't want anything. I mean, they paid me, of course. But right. I mean, I didn't want it. But I learned so much more for him. And then it just became that, oh, well, let's go to this event. Let's go do this. And, you know, then the next thing, you know, you're at a, a, an event at the Missouri Athletic Club and there's, you know, guys rolling around in Lamborghinis and stuff. And yeah. because, and they, that becomes a whole other world. And yeah. so once you get to that point, you know, you're, you're, you're able to ascertain kind of from everybody and it, it really kind of changes everything. If you have somebody that will just kind of take you under their wing. And so that's why, like, if I get people, cause I have people ask me all the time, how do you get into broadcasting? How did you get into being a commentator? You know, there's, I, I, and I've tried to help everybody. I don't have any, you know, I'm not the, oh, well, you know, you might be coming after my, I don't care. You know, we're all here to do something. It's all fun. You know, it's mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. And so, you know, I helped, you know, a couple of guys into that world. I know that, um, I, I, I've had few who would stop me and like, you know, how did you, how did you make this? And I mean, I, I sat and had at a bar in Kansas city one time with a gentleman and I mean, we had a two hour conversation mm. and he still remembers it to this day. Cause he, he actually made mention of it last time I saw him. Cause he's like, you were the only person who'd ever talked to me. Really? Said, well, yeah. He's like, you were the only person who would ever give me the time of day on it. And I'm like, well, because I see that there's enough for everybody. There really is. There's enough money. There is enough jobs. There is enough work. There's enough everything for everybody if you want to go get it. I think the people at you know that that reach a certain level of success and kind of operate at that higher level, they all have that understanding. Yeah. You know, which is why whenever they see somebody who's like ambitious and competent and you know is is kind of on a path, like they'll reach down and like pull them up. Yep. You know what I mean? It's usually like they're willing to – they want to help people to your point, but it's like they want to help somebody who's also wanting to help themselves. Right. You know, if, if I give somebody advice and they look at me, okay, great, and don't use it, that's cool. I don't – you know, that's fine. But it's the ones who are like, okay, and then they come back and they go, oh, yeah, that really worked out well. And I'm like, well, cool, let's do this and that. And then, you know, the next thing, they're, yeah. they're moving to that next level. And that's what it's really all about. You know, it's not about dollars. It's not about how much whiskey you sold. It's not how many fights that you do a year. It's not about where they're at. It's how much you help people. Yeah. You know, because that's what it's really all about. It really is. Helping is. people, solving problems. Um, like just how much value are you adding? Exactly. And making good whiskey. Dude, it's really all about relationships, it right? It is. I completely. Mean, just if you do right by people, then I mean, you, you just make those de like those karmic deposits into the account and it all comes back later. Well, I mean, that was like, you know, whenever you came into the fold of, of the potential of being my, my co-host, you yeah. know, I was like, man, that dude has got things going on. And I, I sat back and I mean, because like I listened to your show, you know, before I was ever on the first time I, I listened to it. Um, I was like, man, I really want to be on that. That's cool. And then whenever the clothing line came out, I'm like, man, this really works. And then I, I'm like, man, you know, to hear you to do this now, it was like, man, we would be pretty good together. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I, I've been through some co-hosts and we had great times. I love every one of them that I've ever had. And so it was, it was very cool to find another one because you got a gel. Yeah. And I think that we did really well with that. So it's amazing how much you can accomplish or like what can 
uh, like what can come of just doing mm-hmm. because I mean I don't have any background in in broadcast or yeah. or photography or like any of those things. Right. It's just like one like I was a guy who was a fighter and I decided not to fight anymore and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I just but I I'm just I'm always very disciplined and I work hard and I have the mindset I'm like I'm just going to put this energy into this now. And then I started like, you know, obviously it was it was more geared towards imposed will, but I also want to do the podcast and I did the podcast and like I learned photography and stuff through yeah. that and then I had Jesse on the podcast. Yeah. And then Jesse reached out to me to do photography for the Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like walking around the shows with my phone taking pictures for Instagram and then one day they were just like, "Hey, can you hop on?" I literally I I, I think I did two two you fights. Did two fights. And I I remember it because we were we were having some some issues and you know, there was a lot going on and there was like my co-host was going to corner and blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, "Go get Adam Meredith." And they looked at me like, go get Adam Meredith right now. Let's do this. Yeah. And Jesse was like, because we had ca- talked about it. I'm like, this should be then. I'm like, let's do this. And it was kind of funny because you, you may not even know this. Like, we had to sit down and then you did it. And then we all went and talked about it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, we talked about it. And I'm like, because I, I told Rashad, our producer, I'm like, go find the fights that Adam Meredith called. And I'm like, look, see where he did this? That's how it should be done. You know, you need to talk like this. And I'm like, he got it. And he, he followed the directions because I, I – I direct pretty well. Like I just when, followed your lead. Right. But, <laughs> but that's what, you know, that's what like my role is, is that, you know, I'm going to kind of push it to a specific direction, but then you take it and then you tell everybody the what and the why. Mm. And it works out, you know, that's because yeah. it's like, you know, and for the guys who don't know at home, I mean, like there's a lot of like hand signals between us and I mean, all this other <laughs> stuff going on. And, you know, cause I'm like, I'm doing one to you then I'm doing one to the ring announcer. And I mean, and, and you got it and you got it so quick that I'm like, man, this would work. And so, yeah, and I think our, our one-year anniversary was just like a couple days ago. Oh, wow, dude. It is, isn't it? It's crazy. Did you, did you think it would last all this, I mean, like a year that quick? It just flew by. It just flew by. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, um, I actually had a conversation with, um, with a guy who was asking me how to get into commentary. And mm-hmm. I kind of just explained to him, like, dude, I wish I had. <laughs> a cool story. I, right? Well, I just wish I had a solid, like, plan of action for sure. you. But it was literally just me doing things and just putting myself in a position. Being yeah. available. That's being it. Being available is huge. And, like, being ready. You know what I mean? Because had yeah. I not already. Well, one, obviously, I had all the knowledge from fighting and all sure. that shit. But had I not done podcasting and like understood how to talk and do these things it wouldn't have worked yeah and that's what made it so good is that you know you did have but you had the drive and that's big if you've got the drive and the desire man you can do damn near anything in the world really for real yeah um it's you know i because i don't have I was on some terrestrial radio i was on tv a long time ago i did some things but like it was never, it was never my plan. Like this was never my plan, and it just kind of happened right place, right time. And you got to be able to step up and take the opportunities when they come. Mm-hmm. You know, even if like, because if I would have been, man, I don't know if I really am ready to. Try, I'm like, let's do this. I could, I couldn't have done anything more than tripped and fell and stumbled and burned. And I go, I have like my first fight that I ever called. I still have it, and. I listen to myself then and I'm like, Oh my God, I was so bad. But you know, it takes time and you get better as you go along. 
and it, it's amazing just if, as long as you stay with and to keep the drive up. I will take drive over training any day of the week. I mean, for real. And in anything, you know, if it's working for me, my computer business, if it's doing this, I will take drive and desire over base knowledge any day. Of the week. I can teach you how to do anything. Yeah, you can learn. You know, you can learn. But, man, there is a thing about drive that just – it, it, if it's not there, then it's never going to work. Yeah, man. You know, you just you just kind of just do without necessarily knowing what the next thing is. You know, it's like you I, like your story. I mean, you've had a record deal and you've done music and you've done bartending and you're you know you're helping people you know pick their you know their yeah. uh, their list and you know you're 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 in curation like all these things and and you had a radio show and a podcast and all of these life experiences of just doing is just all now cu- like accumulated yeah. into this bottle here in right. front of us. It's so crazy. Like You don't know what the next thing you, you is never necessarily going to be, but just do the thing in front of you. Yeah, you never know what the next thing is going to be. You know, I mean, like, what's your next plan? You know, you, you have the podcast. You have the clothing line. What's next? Man, I'm just so focused on, on Imposed Will and the clothing line. I'm trying to turn this thing into the biggest company. Like, I, Dude, Jeremy, this is what I envision. I envision... One day I'm gonna be sitting there in my Lambo or whatever, like sick ass car. Yeah. And I'm gonna be like, I'm like, hey guys, I still have my t-shirt company. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Because I don't know, man. I just I want to like bring manufacturing to the United States or more manufacturing to the United States. I want to have create jobs. I just I I want to make this thing Nike. I love that. That's where I, I just that's where I am headed. I don't know. And. It, and it's all about drive. You know, you may not make it to Nike, but if you make it two steps under, you killed it. You're killing it now. And that's what it's all about, man. And that's kind of how I, I approach, you know, the fight business. If I never leave doing, you know, AAA regional MMA, I'm cool with it. You know, I've, I've had opportunities and stuff went wrong. You know, I had an, I had an opportunity to, uh, to interview with ESPN to do boxing for ESPN. And, Somehow the fates and the gods decided that I needed to fall off on those damn scooters downtown. I screwed up my face and I couldn't go. Oh, wow. And so I lost that opportunity. But, you know, it's, it's all for a reason. And if I never do it again, it's cool. I have, I'm thrilled with what I've got to do. And I've got to do it for a lot of cool people. And, you know, no matter, no matter what, no matter what anybody says, because you'll always have haters and every bit of it, um, you know, we've done a lot. And we've done some pretty cool stuff that not a lot of people in the world get to do. And that makes it so much more worth it. Dude, Uppercut's kicking ass, man. This, it is. This is going to be a worldwide brand. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping. You know, it's, I'm, I'm thrilled with, with the results we've had in less than a year. Um, I'm thrilled with the perspectives of where we're going to go. We've got some cool new ideas coming. So, yeah, I'm really thrilled about it. So, Do you ever see yourself just, like, slowing down and, like, just traveling all the time? Just like, oh, I'm not going to, like, focus on business. I'm just going to just travel. You know, I Go kind of explore the world, kind of, but it's been more of I don't know if I would ever be like happy with that mm. because I always have to be doing something, and you know it was bad enough that like I was I was literally I was out with Jim Range the other night and you know Jim has done photography for anyone and everyone I mean you know Showtime ESPN blah 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 blah. And literally, he and I are sitting in the back talking about barbecue recipes because we both like to do barbecue and we like to smoke and blah, 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 blah. And we were like, what if we started a restaurant? That, you know, that came out of the blue. Yeah. I never thought about getting into the bar business again, and yet I got this opportunity. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, whipping up drinks and a speakeasy in downtown Granite City, you know, and it's killing. 
because it's 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 just you never know where you're gonna go and you got to be open to everything. Yeah, so. you're just open to opportunity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and you know, and that kind of leads me like you know so. What do, what do you want to do with, like, this whole broadcasting thing now? I mean, because, you know, the podcast is killing. I mean, it, you you do some amazing stuff. I love listening to it because it's it's got the uh, – it's got very realness, and that's why I love doing this one. It's very real. You know, I could sit here and I could put, like, the, 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 the TV show voice on it. We could all do it like this, but I'm not going to do that, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it's so real that, like, you know, what's the next thing you want to do with it? I don't know, man. I get so much – just value out of sitting down and having these conversations to yeah, where because you've talked to some really cool people i have dude it's it's actually put a lot of perspective for me like in the world and just people in general like i think it's easy in the social media climate to um put people on a pedestal mm-hmm. and after having conversations and meeting people who have large followings it just completely puts things in perspective. Like it, we're all just humans, yeah. and, and that whole social media thing isn't it, important. You know, it, it doesn't matter how many Instagram followers you know no. you have, or how much Twitter, blah blah blah. You know, I don't even know anymore what I've got because I don't really. I do social media for like advertising. You know, I'm not out there putting in. You know that I'm having. You know, you know, everybody who puts their life out there. It, it just it's it's not. It's not me. It's a tool. Exactly. It needs to be a tool like any other thing, yeah. man. To me, Instagram is like a hammer. You know, yeah. you're you're here to build something with it, and that's what it's for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like with with the podcast, I just think about um, just I just I just do it. I don't know, man. I don't really have any intentions other yeah. than just to keep doing it, like just well. to have the conversations and to meet the people. And I guess my old thought is is just like how you know who else can I talk to, or right. you know. It, since I've been so focused on business, it hasn't been as big of a priority, but it's always been this thing sure. that will always, because I just, it just, it's, it's one of the more enrichful things that I do. I bet. I bet. I loved it. Um, you know, my old show was, it was more of a, a news based kind of thing. But I love the interactions. I love the, you know, what you get from people because you do, you get to have real interviews. They get to really be, I've had a few that were like different. You know what I mean? Like when I was on, um, I was on a show called Down Goes Frazier on ESPN mm-hmm. 101 here, and we had everybody from like Colby Covington on, and you know, then my old show, that MMA show, was you know we had you know Wonder Boy and all the other guys out there like that. I mean, and it was it was different, but some of them were kind of different, like off the air, and then when they got on the air, but most of them were really genuine mm-hmm. so yeah it, it you get a, you get a lot out of it it's interesting i just like meeting people and you get all the different personalities it definitely makes um it makes just interactions in daily life easier yeah because you kind of get a feel for the different communication styles and the different personalities and just you know you kind of feel people you can read them better and you realize that people are just people yeah, we're no all matter just, what, we're all just. I don't care how big your bank account is. No, nope, because your bank account doesn't mean anything at the end. Yeah, of the day. like where, like what have you done? Or yep. I mean, it, it can the, your experiences can definitely make you more of an interesting person, but it doesn't necessarily make you a good person. Exactly. So exactly, you gotta kind of take that into exactly. account. Exactly. I've met some rich people who are assholes, <laughs> who are fake <laughs> as hell. Hundred percent, dude. I've had I've met people and. I don't want to say anything. I've had a guy on the podcast who has well over a million followers, and I know all of those are fake. Oh, wow. All of them are fake. Yeah. Because I had another guy who was on the podcast, Andy Frisella, who has well over a million followers, and all of his are fucking real. Oh, absolutely. Dude, that dude posted a, a story, and I got like 
10,000 fucking views on something in like five minutes. Yeah. It was ins- it was insane, oh, dude. Yeah. It was ins- and then this other guy posted some stuff and like crickets, like nothing, like not even a blip. Yeah. So like that was a very eye-opening experience. It was just like, wait a second, something's not adding up. And um, I, it also jived with my gut feeling after the conversation. Like it wasn't a good conversation. Like it wasn't a good gut feeling. It wasn't right. – and I'm just like, okay, now all this jives. And – as a result, I now trust my gut more than – give me two seconds with you, and my gut will tell me what I need to know yep. oftentimes. Absolutely. You know, you, you got to follow it, man, because it, it will. And I've actually – I've got to interview Andy on a couple of, on, on a couple of things I did for uh, Guns and Hoses once. Okay. On my podcast yeah, because they're, they're big Yeah, they're real big. And super genuine guy. And, yeah, like you said, instantaneously you got 10,000 views on something that you would have never thought. It's crazy. Yeah, dude. it really was. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so do, how do you decompress? That's a good question because I don't think I do. You don't? I don't. You're just um, wound up tight. I, I am just wound up like a champ. But then all of a sudden I'll be like, you know what? I think I'm going to go someplace today. And so I will completely just be like, I'm done for the day. Let's go do this. And, I mean, like, you know. I have popped on and, you know, been sitting around like all pissed off and, you know, just, oh my God, everything's terrible and all that's going wrong. All right. Well, let's, 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 let's go to Chicago. We'll go have, we'll go have dinner in Chicago. And so I'll go take off and go that, you know, you just got to go. You just got to get away from it. Let your mind go from it. Um, I do, I, I miss martial arts for that. I missed more. I miss martial arts as my decompression. Um, so I used to be a coach at uh, the hit squad back in the day. Um, and that was always my getaway, no matter what, like I could go to the gym, we could, you know, we could grapple, we could do all of this, you know, and I would feel much better afterwards. And now since I've kind of lost that, mm-hmm. um, I'm really looking for the idea of another place to do that. Um, I've been invited to a lot of gyms. I've went and done some sit-ins and things and it's just kind of finding, like my niche of people that I, I, I want to hang out with and it just be like cool and chill and that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it I, I, I need to get back to that because that was my ultimate decompression. Really? Oh, it yeah. sounds like the community piece of the gym is like the, completely the, the biggest driver. Oh yeah, completely. You know, cause I mean, I could go anywhere and do what I did, you know, we could spar, we can grapple, we can do all of that, but it's to find that group of people that make it worth it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, we had some of the, you know, a blast back in the old days there, man. I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And then whenever we brought over the guys from like uh, CMMA, you know, Jordan Dowdy and those guys, whenever they came over, I mean, it made it even better. And so, you know, now it's just kind of where do I want to end up. So at some point in time, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I got to make it another priority in life. So like, yeah. I got to make it another thing to go do that. So yeah, martial arts is, is weird in that it's, it's very, um, it's like a phase for a lot of people. Yeah. So you'll, you'll kind of have like a class of people and then people just start fading out. And that's the blue belt syndrome, right? Yeah. And it's just like, and then it's like, Oh, where'd everybody go? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, cause like I started, I started doing, you know, karate stuff when I was like 12 13 and i did that for a lot of years and i did the the point style tournaments and then i did the 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 full contact tournaments and then i did the the, the kickboxing type stuff and then about 15 
15 or so years ago I got into judo and 15, 20 right now probably. Yeah, jeez, I'm old. You started old. I did. I mean, I started. I mean, I started doing a lot of it, but like it was kind of in and out, in and out, and then late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, 30s, like I late twenties is it was old. Yeah, but it's hard on your body to start completely. Like that. But um, but I I loved it, man. I mean, I loved the idea. I loved the contact of it. I had like wrestled in middle school, so I kind of got some of it, but it was more of that. It really kind of just became like it wasn't the the hoppy karate shit that I did because I mean, I, but I did, um, Okinawan Shorinu karate and then Kempo. And so I'd done that for a long time and judo was just that. And then to take that over and then like the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So like I would go do one and then I would go do another class afterwards. And, you know, it was always fun because like I'd go put on a white belt and then, you know, toss somebody around for a while and then it was fun. But, Sandbagging. You know, I, they, hey, I will always wear a white belt whenever I went into to jiu-jitsu up until that time. Them's you know? the so, rules. Exactly. So, you know, but it was fun. So, Man, But I missed dude. that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there's nothing like martial arts. No, there it's, isn't. It's a very um Because, I mean, you. how cool long have you been around it? Well, I actually did karate as a kid. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like a – I probably did karate for two, maybe three years, mm. like through like elementary school. And then um, – I mean, after elementary school, there wasn't any, like, martial arts. It was just, like, football and basketball. And then I got out of high school, I started doing wrestling, mm -hmm. which wrestling is, I mean, it's a combat sport. Oh, really. absolutely. So, I mean, I guess you could maybe kind of count that. But, I mean, I started wrestling at, um, I guess I was 14 years old, so almost 20 years I've been wrestling. Yeah. Um, and then from wrestling, after I stopped wrestling, because I was at Lindenwood, and um, we found out that, you know, my, you know, my ex-wife, she was pregnant with my son so it was like all right well I'm going I started working full-time and I was still going to school and then that's when I transitioned into fighting so I was actually independent for like the first year my first four fights I was independent and, oh, then, wow. and then I joined up with St. Charles yeah. and started doing jiu-jitsu because like at that time BJ Penn was the man right and everyone's like oh fucking black belt in like three years or four years or how fucking fast he got it and you know you need so I'm like oh I need jiu-jitsu of course yeah. I need jiu-jitsu right. exactly and then that's when I saw it out and um, I was on the wrestling team with Josh Sampo okay. at Lindenwood and yeah. he was at St. Charles and that's kind of what took me there and they were down the street from Lindenwood at the time yeah so I mean that, so, but you gotta have it yeah man you know it's just it's just that natural path bro do you miss fighting no why not at all so see I hear I hear varying in, when I ask people that and did you notice I just kind of turned the table on yeah, you yeah that's alright you told me you were gonna do I that I did I did um, so my ego misses it sometimes. Um, there's been times where, uh, you know, I, I was at the gym and, uh, you know, after just doing jujitsu for three or four years and then everybody just looks at you as like just a jujitsu guy. It's like, wait a minute, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I'll still fuck you up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, don't look at me the wrong way. Um, I probably, I had a really hard sparring session like three years ago. Yeah. And um, that was good enough for me. I was just feeling real antsy. And I fucking had a real. I I went in there and I beat the shit out of somebody. But I did. I'm not gonna say who it was. And uh, I'm like, I'm good. And then now, yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, I've I've done I've done jujitsu, and um, even then, I'm like, dude, I just it just doesn't do anything for me, dude. I get you. Like I don't have anything to prove. Yeah. Like it doesn't really do a whole lot for my ego. And if anything, I'm only doing it for my ego. Like it just feels good to be viewed as the man. I get you know that. What I'm saying, yeah. but uh, I don't miss. It. I don't miss the yeah. nerves. It doesn't do anything for me. It just it's like if I win, I'm glad I won, but I'm kind of fucked up in that I developed the mindset long ago in high school, like with football in particular, where 
if you win, you don't celebrate because that's what you're supposed to do. It's like if you do the things you're supposed to do, then this is the result that's supposed to happen. So it's I like in that. football, they're like, when we score, we don't celebrate. You're supposed to expect that. And I just took that into everything. So, so if I win, I'm supposed to win. And if I lose, and I just fucking hate my life. <laughs> and so there's no, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I, I bet if you took a monitor and you monitored my emotional state yeah. after a win, it wouldn't be very much of a spike. Wow. Like, right. I'm sure there'd be a natural dopamine spike, well, of course, sure. but it would, it's, it's not the same, dude. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me, man. And then I think about fighting in particular, I'm like, because we sit there, and oh. I watch fights. <laughs> and we, I mean, we literally, we have the best spot in the house. We get blood on us. I mean, completely. Oh, yeah. yeah Constant, dude, right? Honestly, man, I was watching that Josh Weston fight the last time. I'm like, I oh. could, nothing against Josh. If no. you're listening to this, Josh, nothing against your buddy. I would beat the shit out of Josh Weston. Fair. No offense to Josh. Okay. I'm just faster. I'm longer. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I'm a little bit younger than he is. I was going to say, Josh is like, you know, 40-ish. Somewhere around there. Yeah. I think he's only three or four years older than me. But I'm yeah. just... Just better athlete. I'm just being real. Nothing against Josh. I just feel confident in my sure. abilities more so. And I right. just watched him get beat up pretty bad by a guy who I've trained with. Right. Josh Augustine is yeah. a lot smaller than Josh has gotten a lot bigger, let's say that. But he's still a smaller human naturally right. than Josh Weston. So right. with that being said, I think about it. I do sometimes, but I'm just like, man, I get in there. I'm like, oh, fuck, that check kick would hurt. Or, <laughs> oh, fuck, I just kicked that elbow. That would hurt. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not, juice isn't worth the squeeze, bro. I, I, I get not. that. I do. I mean, like, I, I still love the, uh, you know, cause like, I'm, I'm like you, like right before COVID, I had one really good hard sparring kickboxing session and it was flipping fun because like, yeah, the kid was like half my age, um, I was over at uh, with Moses Flores boxing, okay. and yeah, it was just it. It is. There's nothing better, but man, I I remember like after you know after the fight, you don't feel good. You know, like that that no, dump, dude. you just feel sick. And I had broke my foot, and I mean, it was just dumb. I it's mean, never worth it. Dude. No, it isn't. It's because because so. you don't foresee the uh, the the consequences. Now you got the neat pour going the on here. So. Pour. still tasty isn't it it's not bad yeah it's not bad it's good stuff. i like it better mixed oh absolutely i like everything better mixed i'm not an alcohol guy so that's it's why a, well that's fair but i can take it straight this is good it doesn't make me wince or anything it's not <laughs> for 90 proof whiskey that's good that it doesn't make this you is wince. good yeah, shit man so. yeah fantastic great job but dude great job man i'm trying man I'm but trying. yeah dude the juice the juice just isn't worth the squeeze yeah. man you know if, just for a little ego trip you know, maybe for a few hundred bucks, whatever yeah. the fuck you make. Yeah, I wish people knew that, man, MMA guys don't make money until they hit the, the big time. And big even time. then. Yeah. Even then, dude. I mean, the UFC roster is so is so, is so deep. Yeah. They're putting on so many shows. They're, you know, putting shows at the UFC PI. They're not always at a necessarily big venue. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So these guys aren't making a lot of fucking money, dude. No, I mean, people you, just don't get that, you man. You fuck around, you think you made $10,000. Cool, that's a great check. $20,000, great check. Hopefully you didn't get injured. You're still paying people. You still yeah. have to live off of that. How many more fights are you going to get this year, bro? Right. Like, exactly. okay, I mean, hopefully, maybe you got some sponsorship money. I don't know. Yeah. But could you? Could, I mean, think. What about happens that. if you get hurt your next camp? What happens if something falls? Yeah. Bro, exactly. You know, it isn't like boxing, and people don't get that, man. No. Because boxing is a whole other animal for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what 
was kind of like the last straw with my last fight. Like I just lost the fight and I, I sat there and I was like, of course you could, I mean, emotions play into it. It's like you're, you're down, but like I took a real honest assessment and, yeah. it, and it was like my head and is not into this. Like I don't want it. Like and you have, you, to you have to be, you your, your head space has to be there. Yeah, dude. I can see like whenever, whenever we're at weigh-ins and you know, the, to me, that is one of the bigger times when the fight is won and lost. You can see it in their face. And I can predict, you know, and it's not just our cards. It's all of them. You can predict pretty close by watching that person's face if they are there mm-hmm. or if they are not. Yeah. I mean, big time. Dude, and like, I had great camps. Like, weight cut was the best weight cut. I felt fantastic. Like, physically, I was probably better than I ever felt my last yeah. couple of fights. But I just, like, was – I was. I think I was technically winning both of my fights, my last two fights that I lost, which was Zach Busia. Like, mm-hmm. I had his back. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's just a gnarly vet, though, dude. Like, dude, he stayed he's... calm. He had good positioning. He did what he did. And, like, when he took my back and flattened me out, he wasn't even throwing hard shots. He knew he won. Yeah. Like, he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just winning. Right. And then I lost against um, Shell Irwin. Uh, yeah. And, like, I think I um, I almost plot swept him. I was on top. He put me in a triangle. I got out of the triangle. And then he put me back in the triangle. Come on, bro. Like, that's just bad <laughs> jujitsu on my part. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, kudos to you, right? But it was, like, you, you weren't beating my A game by any stretch. So, yeah. Like, when that happened, I'm just like, dude, you just, I wasn't even choking. I just didn't want to be in the triangle anymore. Right. It was an honest. It was just an honest assessment. I was like, dude, I just don't want this anymore. And it's not. So I just took that same energy of where I'm training two, three times a day, six, seven days a fucking week, just training all the time. And I just do this. I put that same energy into other things. And it's it's amazing though that how much drive you got out of that. Like you learned the grind. You learned the work from martial arts that you take now, and that's what you throw in into imposed will. Am I? I mean, yeah, man, it does cause for you, sure. Because if you it takes a special kind of crazy to train six days a week where people punch you in the face, you know, every day, and then take that world and throw it into business. It changes. It changes you. Yeah. And I, I have loved that I had that experience as, you know, younger, that it, it does. It, it pushes you. So, yeah, it really does, dude. Yeah. It really does. I think um, I think there's a lot of if, – if people are smart, then they will take the structure that they're given early on in life from school. And if you apply that structure, and what I mean by this is whenever I was younger, all I did was it's like, all right, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd usually go train for like wrestling or football because we had like film or some sort of early morning workout or some shit. And then I would go to school. And then after school, I would go and I would practice again. Sure. I'd train again. And then I'd go home and do homework, sleep, whatever, repeat the next day. Yep. All right, now I graduated high school, and then I just went to college. I was doing college, and I was wrestling, and then it's like, well, fuck, now I wasn't wrestling, so then I was, like, plugged in, like, working. So I was, like, college, work, and then I added added fighting. So I was, like, so it's, like, and then when I graduated school, it's, like, all right, now I'm working full-time, and then after I get off work now, I'm just just going to train. So it was, like, instead of school and wrestling practice, it became work and MMA training. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then, so it's just, like, if you just apply the structure and then when I think about when I went to grad school, the output, mm-hmm. just really, whether it's undergrad or high school or anything, just the output of like writing papers and writing articles sure. and doing assignments, you just give yourself assignments in life. 
That's it. Yeah. That's how you run a business. You just completely. you have assignments and deadlines, and you fucking do them. Yeah, it, it completely. And like I said, I I didn't really go to college. Yeah. And so, but I get the analogy because See what yeah, I'm saying? it's you it's, went to high school though. Oh yeah, I mean, I went to high school. <laughs> I went to you know, I went to tech school like after school for uh, two years. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it you get programmed that you're supposed to do a specific thing, and if you throw in the idea of how focused martial arts makes you you know it it really throws into you're going to keep that work ethic and that grind for the rest of your life yeah um you know i see it i see it in my kids all the time i mean my daughter's in college my son's in high school and they have the grind like they did whenever you know she approaches like a a college paper like when she was training for the junior olympics you know i mean like for real so yeah it it, i you got to keep you got to keep that in your world if that was where you came from. Yeah, like the process and it is the same essentially. Like, Absolutely. Like the steps change, but it's yeah. like the methodology, you know what I'm saying? The, yep. the the idea behind it. So you didn't go to college and you have managed to obviously educate yourself and oh, yeah. and uh and and build some shit. So how how do you like to learn? Are you like a do you like to listen to books? Are you a reader, or have you just kind of soaked it up through doing and, and in, your conversations with your mentors? Or you know, I I have always been a book guy, but um, I have a hard time with like staying focused of like reading a physical book. So I love I love the idea of you know books on t- books on tape. Show yeah, how old I, I, I am. I do that too. Books on tape. Yeah, yeah. I mean because that's what it really was back then. But uh, <laughs> no, I love the idea of audiobooks. Um, and I don't listen to I don't listen to a lot of music. Um, if I'm by myself, it's generally something that's like that. Okay. Um, you know, I I just listened. I just got done with uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Great one. Um, you know that kind of stuff. And so it it really. It, it at least pushes that, but I'm a vi- very visual learner. I want to see it. I want to hold it. I want to feel it and then show me and then I'm good to go. Got it. Yeah. So, so you learn by doing. I, I have to do. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted, you know, I wanted to, that's why whenever I started the whiskey, I mean, it was like, I just went and bought everything. Like it was, no one really should have ever done it the way that I did it. I mean, because like I spent a small fortune on just anything and everything. And I mean, I had Amazon boxes on my, on my stoop that was just gigantic for all the stuff that I bought. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's see how all this works now. So yeah. Well dude, just fucking head first, dude. Exactly. That's how you do it. Do you like podcasts? I love podcasts. I'm pouring a drink. I see you looking. Yeah. I love podcasts, but I, uh, I like. Did you listen to them? Oh yeah. I, I found once I started doing, I don't listen as much. But now I, I, I had to break that habit and get back into them. But I listen in a different way now. It's a different. It's like a trained ear. You, you listen. You listen to see what can I take away from this, dude. I listen to Rogan's conversations sometimes, and I'm just like, how is he conducting the conversation? Like, oh, like, oh, you went here with that. Oh, you asked that question. Yep. Oh, you didn't interrupt him here. Or you didn't say that. It's like, man, it's an art, man. Like one of the things right now I'm working on is. Because the natural tendency in conversation is just to be like, you'll be speaking for a second, and I'll be like, oh, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, right. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that as much. But that can feel awkward even for the listener because well, they're like, well, why aren't they saying anything? Or why aren't they giving me the, the you know, whatever it is that, you know, they're looking for? But it, that comes from time. And I used to have really bad crutch words. 
because that's what they call them in the business. When you say the thing that you don't know what else to go to, so you would say your crutch word. And mine was so bad in the beginning. But yeah, I take I take podcasting, especially like like this, like conversational podcasts, not just the you know the news ones or the the question and answer ones. Um, I really kind of take that as the how and the why to see what else I can do. It's the same way that whenever like I watch a fight. You know, I may not be like watching the fight to see the fight. I want to see how, you know, Mauro Ronaldo called that fight. I want to see how I can take something from that or find some sort of value in, you know, Michael Chavello calling something at one, you know, yeah. because those guys are, you know, the, the cream of the crop of it. And yeah. so you take so much from them. And I can see that you know when you do a podcast, it's conversational. It's a it's a whole other world. Yeah, so, yeah. I've been thinking like that though for what we do too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, man, I need to I need to start watching more fights so I can listen to Rogan talk on these fights because you're Goldberg, I'm Rogan. Yep. I mean, Goldberg's not there anymore, but but but, right. but but I mean that's what it is. You know, you're and DC. It, I'm Rogan, sort of. It's funny because like I have always I've always had people who ask me like, well, what did how do I how do I start how do I start into this? I'm like. Go watch a fight and turn off the audio and call it. Yeah, sometimes and you we'll, will find like you you will either a think you sound like a dipshit or you will get it because. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would literally take Bellator fights, turn off the audio and call the fight mm -hmm. by myself, and I do both parts. And that was how I kind of got myself used to, because it, it's so weird that people who haven't done what we do. You know, you're 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 describing what's going on for someone who either a has no idea of what's going on in the fight business because they're just this is cool. There's two people beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. Or b they really know it, and so they're gonna call you out and go, "That's not what they were doing." Yeah. You know, or you know, if you miss a name or something like that. I mean, you're always gonna get that, but it's one of those that you really it comes a different example. It becomes a different animal whenever you're you're calling it for other people. Because if not, you're, you're, you're talking to yourself. I mean, really, it is. Yeah. So, and that becomes so weird because it's so unnatural. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you can definitely get better at it. Oh, always. You can definitely get better. Deja probably gets a little annoyed because especially like right at the beginning where I was just, just practicing all the time at home. Like I just be calling. Call, I'm calling football. I'm calling things that oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm just, I'm just talking through it. I'm like, and I, w I don't necessarily like put it on mute because sometimes like I'll call it. And then if I hear them say the same thing that I'm saying, it's like, all right, <laughs> I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. I, I do know what you mean by that one, but yeah, but it, it does. It just, it's so different. It's just so different. Yeah. And until, until you've really sat back and looked at it, I mean, it, it's, there's so much going on and you have to know how to win and change the action because if like you're going through a point and then all of a sudden it completely goes the other direction. So that point's you, done. It's done. It's over with. It doesn't matter anyway. So <laughs> we're going to move on from that topic. Yeah. So it, it happens all yeah, the time. Yeah. It's a fun time though. Oh yeah. It's a fun time. Dude. We got the best seat in the house. Completely. For sure, dude. Shamrock's doing some cool stuff, man. Oh some yeah. Cool stuff. I mean, MMA period, as far as like the regional scene is, is pretty decent right now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I think there's a lack of fighters out there at the moment, but I think that we, there, there are still organizations who are doing great things. I mean, we do good stuff with Shamrock FC, but I mean, there's other ones out there who, who put on a great show. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. There's them, and there's a lot of great fights out there, man. I love, I, I love the fight game. So like, I love to sit back and watch, like I may not go to all of them mm -hmm. because I mean, like, I've been called out, I'm not going to lie, for going to a few events. Like, 
Really? I can't believe they allowed you to be here, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what, man? That's not how it is. Not it, gang no, wars, dude. Yeah, no matter how much they think that's how it is, it's not how it is. Maybe it's like that for a few people. It could be, but like, like – in their own individual heads. Yeah, but like, you know, if – I love going to fights, man. I love sitting in the crowd and just watching. Yeah. I love everything about it. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I will sit at home and, you know, I'll order the regional pay-per-view just so I can watch, you know, yeah. somebody that I know fight on that one. So, yeah, it's a good time, man. You're a boxing fan, too. Oh, so, I'm a, I mean, I loved, I've loved boxing for years. So. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. A and, good boxer. And being involved in the boxing game through being a cut man, man, is just, it's a whole other, the boxing world is a whole other animal. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I I sat the other night and, and watched um, the Canelo Triple G fight again. You know, it was great. Um, and it was just it was just fun to sit back and just watch the fight and just not have to worry about anything else too. So yeah, yeah, yeah you're not working. You're exactly, just, you're just a fan. And and I'm a fan all the time, and I know you are too, mm-hmm. because you you got to be a fan to do this, no yeah. matter what. It's a good time, man. Um, I never. It's it's interesting to to think back of how many years I've just spent in this space. Yeah. How many like how much of my time I've just dedicated to kind of sharpening my skills of just like messing up another human being <laughs> completely <laughs> like that's, For what, real. that's what we do yeah we train to hurt people no no matter what you know yeah it makes you calm though it does it really does yeah yeah there there is a there is a very zen aspect to the martial arts world yeah man i mean I, if you're I, in a bar and some dude's oh. mouthing off you know, it's like, I'll just fucking hip toss you real fast. Right, you know, exactly. We'll be and done. We'll yeah. be done. And it'll be over, and it'll be okay. You yeah, know, you're not going to fall on your head. You're not going to die. Yeah. You're, you're probably going to hurt your ass. Yeah, and it'll be okay. <laughs> your ego will You'll bit. learn, and that's all it is. So, but yeah. Man, dude. Man. It's wild. It's really wild when you sit there and think about it all. And you've just been a part of it for all these years, man. Long time, man. Long time. I, uh, I mean, I remember, like I said, Back in the early, early 2000s. Yeah. So. Do you ever see yourself, like, not being in this space? <sighs> you know, there are times where I'm like, maybe I could – I always try to get to as far as I'm going to go in something. I want to be as best as I can be. And when I get to the point that I think that, okay, I've made it as far as I'm going to go and I'm going to do as much as I have ever done – and it will ever, it will never get any better or never get any more. Yeah, I'll go on to the next thing. Okay. And I don't see myself yet in this. I think that you know, I still have, I have a few other things in the works. Yeah. With combat sports, um, you know, I have a couple of relatively big things coming up in the next six months that may pan out. And if it doesn't, you know, who knows? Yeah. I may be like, all right, cool, I've done it. You know, I've I've lived it. Now I'll go move on and go do something else. You know? Sometimes but, I think about like, what would it be to like like get the call up? Like the call up. Like, what would be the call up for us? Like if like the UFC called you or something. But the question is, would they? They got so many fighters coming out of the fucking you know like yeah. coming off contract that they're now rolling into analysts, kind of like how the NFL right. does and MLB does, where they're just going to start using their own yeah. people. And does the call up even happen anymore? You know, I see the call up being more towards like. I could see the potential of maybe, you know, if, if I could end up in something like Bellator for like a, a, you know, prelims or something like that. Or, you know, there were for a while that they were doing multiples of, you know, they had Goldberg, they had, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
Mar Ronaldo. They had a couple other guys who were all yeah. you know, in that. In, I mean, there's and there's always the backups. You know, sometimes somebody's going to get sick and it's going to fall out. Yeah. And but like, you know, I and me, I've called boxing before too, and so. You know, there's there's always been kind of the, the the talk around that you know maybe I would go and do some boxing after this oh, or, okay. or or do it in in tandem. Yeah. You know, so I I'm hoping that you know if that happens that would be great. I would love to go do it. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I'm I'm happy with where I've made it in this in this genre of life. Um, I'm happy with what I did. I'm happy with what I was able to help people to do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. I, I thought it pre- was pretty cool. Um, Lance DeClue, who calls Nemesis here in St. Louis, you know, made mention of me in a podcast once because, you know, I, I kind of gave him the ideas of how to, to, to start. And, you know, that kind of thing, I'm good with that. You that's know? cool. Yeah. And I'm glad that he does it now. You know, yeah. I think that's awesome. So, You know, with shows like, uh, you know, like Eagle FC and like Anthony Pettis has his show now, you think, you think we're going to see more fighters starting promotions and maybe those promotions making like a legitimate run? I, I mean, th- Eagle FC seems to be doing some oh, shit. Well, I mean, they, there are others. And I think that, yeah, that that's a distinct possibility. You know, I can definitely see Anthony Pettis is, is pretty interesting. I actually, I know a couple people who work on that one. I, I know a guy who works on Eagle too, but um, yeah, I think that, if that comes about, you know, and they're fighting, they're honestly, I mean, they're fighting the AAA leagues like we are. You know, they're 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 mm-hmm. fighting you know, the same stuff that we're gonna see. We're gonna see the guys who are gonna make it into, you know, LFA to the UFC to you know to Shamrock to Bellator or to whatever like that. You know, we're seeing those come out of those organizations, and I think that there'll be more of that. And mm-hmm. I think that if we were, if you and I were gonna get the call up to something, I think it'd probably be something like that. Like that. Yeah. I look at Eagle FC, and I almost look at them as getting people on the way down. Like, well, like they're 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 getting people that are like leaving the UFC. Well, but they all do that, man. I mean, you're always going to get the the former UFC vet because that's the sell. Yeah, that's the sell. Yeah, you know, and every organization wants that because well, they got a UFC guy on the card. Yeah, you know, and I know that you thought it was funny the first time I interviewed you. I introduced you. I introduced you as Bellator vet. Yeah, you know, but you are technically and that, but that's true. Yeah. So never take that as the idea that oh well, all right, well I would no. You were. You got a check that came from Bellator MMA in your life. Yeah. You fought for Bellator. Don't ever take that slow. So I, I think that um, Khabib's name and atta- you know attachment to Eagle FC. It, I think it's a it's a higher draw. For, oh, pe- I, for people to want to sign with them whenever they like they get cut from the UFC or they get cut from Bellator. Yeah, then I think more like a PFL or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it, it's been weird to because to, I've worked for a couple of those organizations like on the Cutman side on, mm-hmm. on occasion, and yeah, it, it's it's a different animal. But I mean, it's it's strange to see like that you know that AAA versus like our AAA here in St. Louis, and it you know because it's it's pretty close. I mean, we 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 really do a lot of that kind of same stuff. So. I'm sure the shows aren't really any different other no. than just the the star power yeah. of who's attached to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they they move, you know, they go other places besides, you know, three venues or whatever, so. Do they is the UFC move a lot? Aren't they just in Florida? There is talk that there's now going to be like six different spots. Oh, really? They yeah. need to fucking move. You see what's going on in Florida right now? Yeah. Am I an asshole cuz I don't feel bad for people in Florida? Well, I mean, they're, they, most of them that live there, like, live it. They're used to it. You it know is, what's happening. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have your flood or you're not. And it it's is one what of my it is. top reasons I'll never live in Florida. 
I, I hate I hate Florida, by the way. Really? You might like it. I I tend not to talk shit on it because I know more people like it than don't, and it's not. Who wants to put negative? I want to interject negative. No, I get into it. The conversation. I've it's I've just been there. Fa- it's just not my favorite place. I've been there four times in my life, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of them was Universal Studios and one of them was Disney World. So it doesn't really like. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like. I could care either way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. It's just not my favorite place, but um, I just don't get the hype. And the thing is, the number one thing is you are going to get hit by a hurricane. Not if. Yeah. You will. Every year. You will get hit. Everybody knows it. So why are we acting surprised? Yeah. 100%. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why, you know. The, but I love the news coverage right now. The news coverage is amazing because these guys are out there and they're holding on to poles and they're swinging by. And then the next thing you know, a guy on a bike wearing a snorkel and, you know, a Speedo <laughs> goes behind him just having a great time. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, it's it's all perspective. It really is. Obviously, you don't want anybody to get hurt, but it's like, damn, dude, that place is wild. It is. Yeah, man. Well, Jeremy, guess how long we've been talking? No pauses either. I mean, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but uh, you know, that was pretty funny. The first one that we did of these that just uh, went blank, bro. Hey, it that was very early. I think that it, was with like the first like thirty or forty conversations. Yeah, I, and I felt I felt very, um, I was very honored because like, I I did I listened to it. I man, I like I scrolled through social media. I'm like, man, I hope he calls me sometime. I'm like, am I cool enough to be on the show yet? I really did. Oh, I did. So the thing is, I usually have a list of people I'm going to get to. It's just whether or not, yeah, when I will get to you. You, dude, of course, dude, you can move in a shaker, bro. <laughs> Come on now. Nah. So what's 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 next? What's going on? How can people follow? Check you out? You know, if they want to keep up. You know, um, you can follow Uppercut Whiskey, of course, on all the social platforms. It's just Uppercut Whiskey. Um, we have a ton going on with it. We're in, like I said, 60 stores in Missouri, 20 stores in Illinois. We have three more states that are going to probably happen before the end of the year. Um, fight wise, you can always follow me at, uh, Jeremy J MMA on Instagram and, you know, you can see pictures of Adam and I in cool suits, you know, yes, and that kind of stuff. Suits. So exactly. Is this available online yet? I know you're working on that. So online, yes and no. Okay. So it is, there are a couple of online retailers who carry it, who have bricks and mortar stores. Mm. Um, in order for us to sell online, we really have to land in New York. And so that is one of the next three that we're going to. Once that happens, then we can, because New York has a very interesting law with the way that it works, we'll be able to then put it online and sell out of New York. National distribution. So even if you would order it in like Cape Girardeau, Missouri, it's going to ship from New York. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, so that's interesting. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing is so convoluted. But, uh, but yeah, Jeremy J on, uh, Jeremy J MMA on Instagram and uh, MMA Jeremy on everything else. Is, is my handle. Beautiful. It is. My man. Dude, thank Cheers. you again. Cheers. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. As always, if you're getting value, just do me a favor. Tell a friend. Bring us a new friend for the next episode. I will be eternally grateful if you do. That's all I have, though. Just keep being rad humans. We'll be back very soon with another conversation. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Mwah.